City, City Limits. Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City, City Limits. Okay, the acres and acres of tar and cement and we're on City Limits. It's um, it's the fourth Wednesday of the month. We've switched housing over from last week because last week was Radiothon mentioning which thanks to all those people who gave. And, Thank you. Uh, and I'm not sure where we are in terms of our target, but we're still running short, are we? It would be weird if we were organised enough to know where we were up to. No, that's true, exactly. <laughs> uh, sorry. But, but also, don't forget the people to uh, having promised to, uh, to actually get the money in, because we actually need the money in hand. But, uh, but look, thanks to everyone. It was uh, it's a wonderful gesture, right, right across 3CR, actually, and the money we're after. Yeah. Meg Kimmer was the person who said that before. I'm Kevin Healy. Morning. Karina's doing the buttons. Karina, um... The bullies uh, got rolled, but great game, and they played bloody well, so you should be pretty proud of them. Still hurts a little bit, but thanks, <laughs> right. thanks for bringing it up. That's right. It was a great game. But. You could argue they were in front when the siren went, I suppose. Mm. <laughs> uh, I know nothing about football. I guess you guys are talking about football. I know nothing about Yeah, it. that's right, exactly. Karina uh, looks like she's going to yeah, cry, though. Speaking yeah. of, but we all know about tea. Everyone want a cup of tea? I'm fine. You're fine, okay. Only two. I've got three. All right. That was Karina wants one. Now it is housing today, and we're going to have um, Meg. Who are we having? I'm not sure now. Oh uh, well, two two speakers from the Friends of Public Housing, Jack, who we've had on before, and um, also someone who hasn't been on our show before, but has been on some other um, shows at Three CR, and her name's Catherine. Um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about what's she's, what's she's in public housing. She's a housing, housing tenant, public housing tenant, is she? That's right. Yeah, and um, uh, talking about. Uh, vaccinations, cleaning, um, public housing, sort of in general, what the, the state of the situation is there. Um, so that will be good to talk to her. And, of yep. course, we have Fiona from Housing for the Age Fiona Action Group in the yeah. second half of the show. All right, so they'll both be in the second half there or new, mm. going, newing up to it. Uh, we did say last week we'd get Libby Porter on. We hoped to get Libby Porter. We hadn't spoken to her, which is a bit of a... I mean, you were really going <laughs> rogue, of, I have a, to say. You were, like, lining lining up the next... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, lining up the next uh, guest during has, the show. She, she has... Uh, she couldn't... She wouldn't come into... Or she, she wouldn't. She couldn't come in today, but her excuse, I think, is pretty flimsy. You know, she... She said because her mother's had had pretty major surgery and she has to pick her mother up at hospital this morning and take her home, she put that ahead of city limits. Now, wow. I, I mean, where are people's priorities these days? I don't know. know. Anyway, but seriously, she is coming in in a couple of weeks, hopefully. We'll get her in on the, ha- on the energy day because I said to her, well, look, Libby, we can always argue that housing needs needs energy to run, so um, that that gets away with that one. Uh, and we do hope her mum's okay. By the way, she said her mum yeah. Yeah, will be okay. She thinks, but you know, as well, yeah. yeah. So let's hope. Uh, just one of you had anything to raise? Because I've got a couple of things here. Too early in the morning for me. Ask me <laughs> later. Ask me in like ten minutes. Right, yeah. I'll just have a sip of tea first. Hang on. Ah, there we are. It's lovely. I'm not going to fall for that That's trick where you ask me something and then you spend the whole time I'm talking, <laughs> pouring tea and sipping your tea noisily. <laughs> I'm not going to fall for that this week. Well, I used to. When, when the years when um, 
the years when uh, Doug was on the program, Doug Jordan, yeah. uh, he, um, I'd always, always getting into his first spiel halfway through, I'd say, would you like a cup of tea, Doug? You know, it, was part I of, see. it was part of the show. I and see. One of my regular listeners actually abused me over how rude I was to Doug. I'm sure, I'm sure that was justifiable. Look, I do have one thing to say at the top of the show is that yeah. I do work in the housing area and I wanted to just make it clear that anything that I say or, or what, whatever we discuss here are, are my own opinions, unless it's not me, it's someone else's opinions. <laughs> <laughs> but generally what I say is my opinion, not the opinion of, of anywhere that I work. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, that's right. Um, now, speaking of, um, uh, of the Herald Sun again, of course, our, our favourite paper, uh, at least they occasionally do have an article that it goes in depth and really gets to the guts of the matter yeah. by a, a respected <laughs> neutral writer. And they had one last week, Take One for the Team, Dan, and it's an article, a feature article on the feature page about the terrible state of the Victorian economy, what's happening to the poor business community in Victoria, right. and the writer suggests that Dan should step down and take one for the team, resign. Step and let down and else... maybe just let the Liberals yes, run instead. that's right. Now, the, <laughs> the esteemed neutral writer was a bloke called Jeff Kennett. Um, mm. Now... Um, we mentioned last week, in fact, that the, the current min- shadow minister for whatever had attacked the government <laughs> over its, re- its response to the, to the storm a couple of weeks ago and to the fact mm. that people are without power for weeks. And we pointed out he seems to have forgotten that it was Jeff Kennett who privatised the State Electricity Commission and, mm. and, uh, and now it's the, it's the role of the public sector to fix that up. It's, the government has no responsibility whatever. And I, I would think just as an aside to that, that if the State Electricity Commission still operated and ran, this would take a lot more than, a um, lot less than six weeks. And I'm being shown a sign which I can't read oh. with the wrong glasses on. Oh, it's okay. Radio. <laughs> There's signs going all over the studio at the moment. Listen. It's almost like Radiothon um, again. Yeah, it is. That was it? so it's, hectic. Uh, Afterwards, um, I sp- oh, sorry oh, to interrupt, but I was talking. We, I was texting with Zeb, our other co-host, who's not in today, and I was like, Zeb, you did great. First Radiothon show, and uh, Zeb texted back, Yeah, I was pretty confused. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on, <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> that sounds like city limits every week. Speaking of Radiothon, though, we have breaking news. Breaking news from uh, from Gab. Uh, we've we've exceeded our target. We have. Yeah. We're up to 2,470, and our target was 2,400. Oh, good. Let's congratulate ourselves. Yeah. But more particularly those who gave. Thank you very much, everyone who who gave something. (laughs) That's right. Um, Speaking of Jeff Kennett and and his brilliant article, you'll be pleased to know there's a new book coming out. I don't know how soon it's going to be, but it's being written at the moment, and he tells us he's... uh, He's actually writing like crazy. Um, Donald Trump is writing a book about um, his, uh, his experiences. And unfortunately, most of the big publishers in the world, Penguin um, and you know the others, they're all named here, HarperCollins, etc., they're all saying they wouldn't publish it because they they, he'll, he'll keep pushing the lie that he actually won the election. Mm. But just in true Trump form... Just to show how modest he is, he says it will be the book of all books when it comes out. The book of all books. <laughs> will it be the, the Moby book, Dick of political the books? The book of all books. Greatest book ever, ever. <laughs> um, and in fact, he, he, the, his previous book called The Art of the Deal, he said was his favourite book after the Bible. Well, he certainly hasn't shown much sign of taking much after the Bible. But, um, well, I don't know. But it was ghostwritten for him. And I think if he's going to get a book out now, he needed ghostwritten again, I would have thought. But anyway. I'd say so. He's pretty busy. 
Yeah, yeah. poor Donald, yeah. Well, mm. Poor man, he... Uh, yeah. Um, now, again, with the Herald Sun, I just thought this was an interesting little aside in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a story that too many Australian children are reaching adulthood lacking the financial skills needed to get ahead in life. Mm. This is according to results from a national online survey run through News Corp, which of course is the Murdoch Empire, websites to determine the country's stance on financial education. The survey of almost 2,000 Australians comes in the lead up to Foxtel's. That's another another Mm. Murdoch one which you have to pay to watch. Foxtel's three-part documentary series, Scott Pape's Money Movement, starting on Wednesday night, which is tonight. But unless you pay Murdoch to watch it, you won't be able to see it, unfortunately. Oh, what a shame. Yeah, what a pity. The Victorian government is currently looking to bolster its financial literacy programs in schools following extensive lobbying by Paper, who has four young children. Now, that's good. He's got four kids and he's doing this program. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. A staggering 99% of those surveyed backed his call to have money management taught in schools, with 89% calling for lessons to begin in primary school. Almost 95% said they personally wish they had a better financial education in school, and there are all these amazing figures um, to promote a show on their own channel, which is pretty good, isn't it? 2,000 people is not really a statistical uh, survey. And I, <laughs> I think I, we can I, extrapolate out to I'm the I'm not sure the percentages population. would be... Uh, yeah. It depends on the question they asked, of course. It depends, yeah, and the target audience, yeah. So many surveys, the, the response depends on what the question actually asked Yeah. and the inference of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a, there's a couple of interesting things happening recently. Of course, we all know that um, the world is building up to attack poor old China. Now, I don't think China's absolutely perfect, and I think you know to suggest it's a communist country is ridiculous because it's, if it, it's if state it's, capitalism. If the, yeah, when yeah. the G7's going to meet representing the biggest capitalist country, economies in the world, then China really should be there because it's one of it's, it's at least the second biggest capitalist economy in the world mm. these days. <clears throat> but that aside, they're really building up to get stuck into them. Uh, and so the, the drums of war are floating around. And um, at the NATO conference last week, they said China is changing the nature of warfare by investing heavily in modern military capacity capabilities such as robots, facial recognition technology and artificial intelligence, NATO has warned. And the Stoltenberg, the Secretary General, said China's massive military build-up and coercive behaviour um, behavior presented grave dangers to the Western alliance. And um, in a press conference following the summit, he said the alliance must spend more on defence to beef up its defences and counter threats from China as well as Russia, and on it goes. And uh, Britain's spending trillions more on defence and all that sort of stuff. But if you look at that... Um, have these countries like the US, the UK, even Australia, not got robots, facial recognition technology, artificial intelligence? Or? Actually, I don't know whether they do in the way that China does. They've well, really excelled. Yeah, they probably have. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of it. A lot of it seems to me to be the pot calling the kettle. Well, it is a very um, convenient sort of setup to invest in, um, you know, defence. Basically, private companies are like selling. Weapons for profit. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it's sure all about, of well course. And, yeah. uh, and there's another, another separate article. China, Russia and Turkey are actively using institutions such as Interpol, international courts and the UN's World Health Organization to erode democracy and settle scores against political enemies. And it goes on about how they're using these things to get extradite people back to China. Now, 
Um, the name Julian Assange springs to mind here. Um, mm. The US obviously doesn't use these things to uh, yeah. um, do these similar things. Well, he's not, a, he's not American, though. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> What's so, yeah? It's, yeah. So you've got an Australian citizen yeah. in Britain being pursued by, by the America. UK and yeah. the courts, and and he's even though they said well he didn't they, they failed in their case he's still locked up. Mm. It's pretty awful. Um, on a more positive side though, uh, the bloke called Lache, who's who's predicted to become the next Chancellor of Germany after Angela Merkel. Uh, he's come out and said that um, he, he, he's, he's saying that, in fact, they're over the top in their attacks on China. And he um, he says in a wide way, he said, he, well, what did he say? He said, sceptical of the US president's hawkish attitude to China. The question is, if we're talking about restraining China, will that lead to a new conflict? Do we need a new adversary? Uh, and there's the uh, and there the European response was cautious because yes, China is a competitive and a systemic rival. It has a different model of society, etc. But uh, it's also a partner in things like climate change, and I think Germany has a fair bit of economic um, mm. attachment to it as well. So mm. there you are. But uh, mm. it's uh, it's getting quite worrying because I think um, our current defence minister, who's who you know cut his teeth being minister for immigration and doing wonderful things about keeping people locked up on various islands mm. around the Pacific um, is now the defence minister and he's talking war mm. and he's a dangerous human being. Hey, did you hear about mm. this uh, report from the McKell Institute about wages? Um, did I? No, I'm not sure I did. Tell me. So it says that, so this report that's come out uh, analysed the impact of a slowdown in the average um, weekly earnings since the coalition gained power in September 2013. Uh, wages grew 4.6% in the period 2007 to 2013 compared to 2.5% since the coalition government had been in power, which works out to $254 a week on average that the Australian worker misses out on. Yeah, and, mm. and last week, of course, the... Uh, Fair Work Commission granted a pay rise to the lowest of low paid um, mm. in that hearing, and they um, it actually works out at forty nine cents an hour, uh, and the Ooh. bosses are screaming that they can't afford this. Uh, these are bosses who got trillions last year off of federal government, but also are now announcing talking about the recovery. They're making millions, yeah. but they can't afford forty nine cents an hour for the lowest paid workers, which is pretty amazing. It's like that news out of America recently, very recently about. You know, which would surprise not many people, I think, but people sort of seem to be surprised that um, the richest of the rich don't pay taxes. Um, yes, I don't yes. know why. It seems to be a shock to a lot of people, but they have the actual facts about it. I guess they have the actual evidence of um, Amazon, Jeff Bezos and the like um, paying zero in taxes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, people are having the conversation about that for the first time. Really. Yeah, and in fact, our old mate Innes Willocks from the Australian Industry Group, who's a, a wonderful supporter of working class people, he accused the Commission of tempting fate and said the decision sends a very bad signal and is likely to impact adversely on the recovery. Mm. At the current stage of the recovery, the focus needs to be on boosting employment. The decision will create a real risk that jobs growth and inroads into unemployment and underemployment will slow it considerably. See, all they care about is getting workers into jobs and yeah, the badly Bloody paid. Commission comes along and yeah. does this. Yep. 
Yeah. It's badly paid jobs with bad conditions. That's the main thing that we're trying to do. And the ACTU said it was okay. And, you know, that shows how out of date they are, I would have thought. Mm. Uh, but and, but the, the bloke from the Retailers Association, and he's an ex-CEO at David Jones, a bloke called Paul Zara, you see him pretty regularly on the telly, he said the increase for retailers would come just ahead of the Christmas trading period because they've practically put off for five months or a few months the actual uptake of this increase. Um, just ahead of the Christmas trading period, which was the most expensive jobs period for retailers. The timing of the increase remains a significant concern. Now, it's the most expensive jobs period, of course, just before Christmas because mm. it's the most lucrative period for retailers. Mm. They need to put extra people on to, yeah, uh, more people to meet shopping. the demand. Yes, so yeah. um, Paul didn't mention that bit. <laughs> yep. yep. He just seemed to forget. And the Herald, uh, the, the, the Financial Review, uh, typically editorialised. Um, it's the end of a long editorial about the state of the economy. It says that's a direct result of the twenty-year reform holiday in Australia, where dysfunctional settings on tax, industrial relations, and energy policy have discouraged the investment that can alone can deliver more jobs that sustain higher pay. Mm. The Fair Work decision simply sets that day back again. So. Apparently, a forty-nine cent an hour increase for low-paid workers has set the whole country back. Yep, that seems about right. Bloody disgusting, isn't it? We oh. are coming up to the time that we're going we to get go in to touch our with first some of our guests very shortly. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. This one, one other one, I did want to mention this week because there's been an interesting story as it developed through the week. Um, Mark Vale, it's interesting that it clashed, this week also we've seen, of course, Barnacle come back as head of the National Party. Um, and, this is uh, incredible. Yes, that's absolutely right. incredible. <laughs> well, a yes. government, a, a, a Canberra's rife with issues <laughs> of men being terrible, and they got this man uh, back. to come back. <laughs> and, yeah. the, and the sexual harassment thing has yeah. never been settled. It was exactly. Never, anyway, but that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's so he's come back. But a former deputy prime minister and leader of the party, Mark Vale, has for the past eight years been the 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 big boy, the big head of um, of um, which one is it? One of the um, one of the big um, mining companies. Okay, um, I'm, I'm trying to. It's in this story here somewhere. I, I, I should know. Whitehaven Coal, of course. He's he's chairman of Whitehaven Coal. Now, last week he was appointed as chancellor of the Newcastle University. Okay, and this caused much furor. A couple of senior academics, um, Doctor. Uh, Eileen Doyle, and another one, Jennifer Martin, a physician who holds an adjunct position. They both resigned over it, and there was lots of screaming by the staff mm. and a number of people who donate to the university, and a number, rather surprisingly perhaps, um, said they would no longer um, no longer uh, donate to the university while he was the, the head. Mm. And there was a full-page ad by a number of people, a lot of people signed it in the Newcastle Times or whatever the local paper's called, last the Newcastle Herald, uh, last week on Friday. Hmm. Uh, but then, um, earlier this week, the uh, the vice chancellor came out and said, "Look, it's all very well. He was the best. Cl- he was easily the best, um, and um, we we're going to pursue it because yeah. he was of all the people who and they don't don't." Uh, tell tell us who they interviewed, etc. But mm. he came out as clearly the best, and he's committed to 
um, he's committed to no, zero emissions at the university by whatever and all that sort of stuff. Sure. But the thing kept building up and building up, and by yesterday, he has resigned before he even took the position. <laughs> so there's a sort of victory well, there in people, power. in people getting behind it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So nice. I thought that one worth mentioning. Cool. Poor old Mark is now no longer, after three or four days, the joy oh, hasn't even hadn't even started, <laughs> Chancellor of the Newcastle University. Well. Let's take a break. Hi, I'm Kutcher Edwards. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison radio series, where we share the mic with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates in Victorian prisons. We started in 2002, and this year marks 20 years on the air. Be sure to tune in at 11am each morning from Monday, July the 5th to Friday, July the 9th for Beyond the Bars 2021 broadcast. For more information, head to our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. Thoughts within Visions I see Daring to dream My destiny Hi gardeners, get ready to turn on and tune in to the Gardening Show's annual Radiothon. It all takes place on Sunday the 27th of June from 7.30 to 10am when you can help keep your favourite gardening show growing. Listen in and call the station on 03-9419-8377 for great deals on gardening products, nursery vouchers, magazine subscriptions, green focus book titles and much more. Or make a tax-deductible donation to support 3CR Community Radio. Dig deep for the 2021 3CR Gardening Show Radiothon, 7.30 to 10am on Sunday 27th of June. Fitzroy Legal Service has launched a free information and advice phone service for people who have been stopped, questioned, fined or charged for breaching COVID-19 restrictions. Have you been fined or charged under the new laws or stopped and questioned by police for being outside? Call 0434 136 501. Weekdays between 9am and 5pm. That's 0434 136 501. Or head to fitzroy-legal.org.au for more information. You can also report incidents at covidpolicing.org.au. Fitzroy Legal Service is a 3CR supporter. change we need to show broad community support. Show your support for walking and cycling in the city of Yarra by appearing as a champion on the Streets Alive website, representing your local street, neighbourhood or school. It's fast, free and simple. Learn more at streets-alive-yarra.org. A 3CR supporter. 
Friends of the Earth Food Co-op is open. Get fresh produce and support local farmers and keep our grassroots community thriving through these unusual times. Organic veggie boxes and click and collect now available. Visit www.foefood.org slash click collect to place your orders. Or pop in store at 312 Smith Street and see how we're adapting with our new physical distancing layout. Shop organic and buy local. Made easy at Friends of the Earth. A proud 3CR supporter. You're back on, oh, you're back on City Limits on 3CR and um, today we're talking to Jack and Catherine from Friends of Public Housing. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for coming on. So we do have you both on a conference call, so bear with us. Sometimes there can be a little bit of uh, cross-talk since our guests can't see each other, but I think we're going to do well today. Um, maybe we'll start with Jack. Um any updates or news? We don't have Howard with us today, so we'll get you to give us a bit of an update about what's been happening um, in the broader picture about public housing, Jack. Okay. Um, so the bit that really concerns me, I guess it's still more of the same, is the uh, lobbying going on from the uh, private interests. So I'm, I'm specifically talking here about the community housing organisations. And you know nothing's nothing's changed. It's still all about uh, a lot of paid research. Uh, uh, you know, people having lunches with politicians. Uh, you know, sponsored uh, positions at universities, uh, sponsored positions at think banks, and also uh, quite a lot of um, work done around the area of stigmatising of um, public housing. And you know that just and for some reason that justifies privatisation because public housing is bad, and sometimes it's done even um, uh, you know, unintentionally. And I was just looking at the, there was an opinion piece in the Age. I won't I won't name the, the writer, but um, uh, you know, within the letter that was published there, it says by targeting those with giant financial and social problems. Public housing ensures their tenants bring with them costly social supports. Family violence, mental health and alcohol and drug addiction are not cheap to fix. So that was, you know, what was quoted as, um, you know, past the editors at the age and was quite happily quoted and rep- to represent what public housing tenants are all about. Yeah, well, we might, and, might actually grab Catherine here. And Catherine, do you have a comment on that article as well? Um, I actually do, as someone who survived living in community housing for four years and who currently lives in public housing, over 55, um, that I actually experience um, much better well-being, peace of mind and safety living in my public housing environment. Um, mm. There's nowhere near the trauma the harm or the risk that I was at when I was living in um, community housing. So it's a very quiet, peaceful environment that I'm living in now. Um, so, 
you know, that's in direct contrast to those comments. Mm. Mm. Why was that difference, Catherine, between the two? It's the security. The security is enormous in knowing that, number one, um, the rent is um, 25, capped at 25%, not 30% like it is in social housing. So there is reduced financial strain. Um, it's the stability in, in we know that it's ongoing continual housing, plus the age factor. As I mentioned, I'm over 55. So everyone living here is invested in creating a nice space to live in and enjoying living here. Mm. Thank you for that perspective. Not, yeah. I'll, I'll just jump in and mm. I'll say it's not that anyone is without um, different issues that they're managing, whether they be um, health or financial or other difficulties, um, but the security of being in public housing. And um, it's, it is public housing. It's, mm. it's not community housing. It's not transitional. It's permanent. Catherine, once, at one time, community housing was an integral part of public housing generally in Victoria. Um, and, of course, then it was privatised effectively. Um, you're talking about it post-privatisation, I assume, are you? No, I'm talking about four years ago and the community housing that I was... Sorry, I lived in community housing up until October last year. I've been in public housing for eight months. So the community housing, the rooming house um, that I was living in was run by um, a not-for-profit organisation yeah. and, as we know, they operate as privatised businesses for profit um so that yeah that was my recent experience mm. Mm. thank you it's good to get that perspective i think the article from what i could tell was kind of uh implying that public housing didn't run at a profit because for the government because um there were associated costs um but yeah it seems a bit Mm, inaccurate to kind of lump all those costs together. And also an assumption yeah. that public services should show a profit, of course. So. Yeah. 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 But it worries me it is that the, the stigmatisation. And uh, just I'll jump in there. I mean, if, does everyone remember the lockdowns of the North, North Melbourne Towers last year during COVID? Yeah. And, and were, were they all drug addicts and alcoholics? No, they were, they were families. They were, they, were, they were young mothers trying to go out and do some shopping. They were students. You know, they were, they were um, low-paid workers um, doing incredible important jobs in, um, you know, in aged care, um, allied services in, in hospitals and things. So, you know, there seems to be a disconnect to how it's been portrayed and what the reality is of public housing. Yes. And actually, speaking of the lockdown, um, Catherine, that was something you wanted to, uh, we wanted to ask you about was the experience of um, how uh, COVID is being, the risk of COVID is being addressed in, in public housing um, at the moment. Any comment on that? Um, only that I know that there have been requests during the recent lockdown from residents to increase deep cleaning mm -hmm. um, and that the response was um, that would occur if and when a positive case arose. Um, so 
really that's not an adequate response because the whole purpose of that is to ensure that there aren't positive cases and that the risks are reduced. Um, I also um, need to say that, you know, the impact of um, people being locked down in small spaces and not having access to community facilities and socialisation is pretty tremendous as well. And deep cleaning comes into that because the common areas in the majority of public housing residences have not reopened since they were closed in February last year. Yeah, which has a huge impact on people's quality of life, I would imagine. Absolutely. You know, in some buildings that's access to computers and the internet. It's somewhere to go outside your unit Mm. where you can connect with people, have a compa, um, hot meals are normally delivered once a week via those community areas Mm. and it's it's really critical, um, especially given, as I said, I'm in over 55, a lot of people with um, mobility issues or people who simply during the cold weather don't want to go outside. Mm. Um, You know, they want to have the opportunity to connect with people and have a conversation. Mm. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, the government in the in the budget provided a fair bit of money for single parents to get into housing by propping up their uh, their deposits. They can get in on a two percent deposit, but a number of financial experts have said this will only help a very small minority of single parents in Australia looking for housing. Uh, and surely it's a classic case where that money would be much better spent just providing straight public housing in the first place, wouldn't it? To either of you? Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, yes, it would. And right now, um, you know, we're actually seeing an absolute fortune being ploughed into community housing, um, which the government, of course, disguises by announcing it as uh, you know, a big social housing bill and you know, $5 billion in the, um, you know, the, the latest uh, Victorian budget was all going to community housing organisations, plus um, a whole lot of intent to also provide a whole lot of public land to those organisations to do their build on. And, and I'm actually glad to say that you know, in the city of Yarra, the council has rejected one of those proposals. Um, there is a lot of public land there, great location in the city. And um, the, the, but the exposure there was when the um, government takes the public land to build this so-called social housing on, um, the examination of what they plan to do is actually half the units being developed on that land were going to be given to, pro- to private sale at market, market rate, basically, to sweeten the um, development with the, um, you know, with the proposal. And of the other um, remaining uh, units, the other 50% on the land weren't going to public housing. They were going to be given to a community housing organisation to run. And as we know, uh, community housing doesn't take the most poor or the, the people at the head of the public housing waiting list. There's actually nothing, nothing being done to help those people, as you say, could be spent much better on uh, public housing, you know, those sort of things. And as Catherine said earlier, it's 33% in those places of your income on rent and it's 25% in straight public housing. 
But the more they do that, there's going to be less and less people on the 25% level, I would have thought, because there'll be more and more going into that 33%. Yeah, a, a, a sort of a, 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 a dilution of the um, social mix uh, of, of people. Well, yes, that's true, and they're taking those people to 30 percenters from, well, you know, from way back in the housing waiting list. So, you know, you hear of examples of people waiting uh, two weeks if they've got higher incomes, two weeks and they're straight away in a community housing without any security, of course. And in the meantime, the people who, who are most needy and waiting the longest continue to wait. Um, and by the way, I also correct a misconception about the 30% regarding the, the cost of being in community housing. There's also a very much a prevalent practice of also charging for sundries, you know, ex, extra costs for cleaning, etc. So any chance to actually make more money, that's also being done. Because then, just as we know, these organisations are not there for, for public welfare. They're there to um, you know, prop up the high wages of their executives and also to create surpluses of money that can be ploughed into asset, asset growth. They're not for profit, but they certainly are for growth and also to pay their executives good salaries. Mm. Um, Catherine, any comment on that that you'd like to add? Um, firstly, agreeing with um, Jack's comments in regards to the additional costs. Mm. You know, normally people who are on a pension are charged X amount. Someone who's on New Start is charged X amount. And then it relates to income if you're working. Um, yeah, additional costs in terms of paying to use things like washing machines and, um, and um, dryers, which, you know, add up. And basically, in my experience, um, food banks supported me so I was able to eat because then you've got all the other expenses that come into play. But going back to Kevin's comment, I read an article recently about a woman with two children who was escaping domestic violence. And this probably would have been 30 years ago. Now, because of the public housing stops then, she was able to go into public housing to be safe, to raise her children, um, enter the workforce and have a quality of life. Um, then the building that she was living in was going to be um, refurbished and she was able to um, transfer to other public housing in the area um, so she could continue to be in community. She could stay in public housing. And she was basically saying that that would not happen today mm. for those single parents. There isn't that safety net and there isn't that opportunity. Mm. Thanks, Catherine. Um, we're probably coming up to the time where we'll ask our last couple of questions. I can see Kevin's... Yeah. Well, there's just one, and, and you might not know the answer to this, because I certainly don't, um, and if you don't, don't feel bad about it. But an article I fell upon last week, affordable housing provider CHL Group says it will be able to double, if not quadruple, the 1,100-plus new social and affordable homes created over the 40-year horizon of a newly awarded Victorian ground lease housing contract. And there's a number of major companies um, named who are going to share in all this. But 
uh, and this mob CHL will invest $75 million for its 15% stake in the project, expense to recoup that equity within about the first 12 years of the 40-year lease period, and they... Um, They'll reinvest in rental income or the rental income they'll reinvest the rental income over the remaining twenty nine years in developing new housing, etc. But the Victorian government could allow the volume of new new stock to grow much faster by continuing to invest after that. Um, do you know much about that project? It sounds like there's government money going again into the private sector. Um, I'll make a comment on that. Um, this is exactly what I was talking about. These these people are focused on asset growth. They say, oh, yeah, we'll reinvest in you know, building more and more and more. And so they're, they're trying to create gigantic companies. And But let's get back to what, what they're doing. They're not taking people from the front of the housing waiting list. And they're absolutely brilliant at lobbying for money. And not only that, they're getting the money because our government is focused on the neoliberal policy where they work with their um, big company mates. Mm. Um and I'll just read out a quote to finish off. It was, a, it was recently um, done by a uh, industry researcher who said community housing providers have captured the debate and largely control the space uh, and they shut down any advocacy for public housing. It is in the interest of their bottom line to ensure they continue to absorb public housing. So that's what these guys are about. And in the meantime, I'll get back to it. The people at the front of the list keep on waiting. So I'm not actually commenting on that specific deal. I don't know about it, but it's generally exactly what we're seeing as the general trend in that area. Mm. Yeah. Look, we will yeah. have to wrap up. We're going to get to Fiona from Housing Thea Jason Group. And Catherine, we did want to ask you about the how the vaccine rollout was working in public housing. Um, maybe a very quick comment on that, and then we'll have to let you guys go. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, just quickly, yeah. in terms of that happening, that there has been no direct communication with residents. Um, no information distributed. So um, at the moment, I think they're on sites such as Richmond, where you've got access to um, North Richmond Community Health, you've obviously got testing, you've got the vaccine available there. In terms of presence on other housing estates, in terms of residents knowing that they're eligible, being educated about the different vaccines so that they can make a choice mm. and overcoming, of course, um, English as a second language mm. is absolutely not being addressed in any way. Thank you so much for that comment. We'll have to leave it there. Yeah. Look, really thanks to both it. of you again. Yeah, OK. A proud black man proud black man You should not wonder Strong spirit First Nations issues Families, people and stories from a First Nations perspective. Mondays at 1pm on 3CR. Proud black man, proud black man, you should not wonder. Hi, this is Isaac and I'm talking to you from a tree seat 40 metres high in the Arinandra Plateau. I'm here with other activists because we want to stop what Big Forest is planning to do, which is to destroy 60 new areas in one of the last refuges of unburned forest in East Gippsland. We're calling the state government to protect all unburned areas of East Gippsland. If you want to get involved, contact gecko at gecko.org.au and join the campaign. 
3CR supporter. So just before we go to our next guest, Fiona York from Housing for the Age Action Group, we've just had a text in from the United Workers Union who wanted to let us and our listeners know about um, the opportunity to give our support to striking General Mills workers. Um, There's a lot of information at unitedworkers.org.au forward slash General Mills, but basically it's a multi-billion dollar company that are refusing a 3% pay rise and about 90 workers have been on strike since the 4th of June. Um, They're asking if if listeners can support their workers and um, give them their, you know, uh, support and encouragement. Um, you can phone GM on one eight hundred six seven 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 four, or tweet them at General Mills to show your support for the striking workers. And that number again is one eight hundred six seven 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 four. Radio. I haven't got that out of the way. Yeah, it's, um, another important little industrial dispute going on. Um, Fiona York's on the line. She's from the Housing with H Action Group. Fiona, before we go, well, we did this last week to you as well, but uh, we did play a, a promotion early in the in the uh, show about the forests in East Gippsland and the fact that there's still campaigns on to save them, etc. Um, how's it going down there? Last week you said things had gone a bit quieter. Yeah, so they have up on the Erinundra Plateau, but unfortunately over at Swift Creek, which is a little bit further towards Melbourne, um, there's a lot of logging going on in wet old forest, um, which is really devastating to see. And the community is starting to call for some more um, direct action to take place on those areas as well, which has sort of slipped under the radar. So unfortunately, it's still business as usual, despite the pandemic and despite the climate change issues um, around those areas. So yeah, keeps keeps on going. Yeah, we'll get onto housing in a second, but just uh, we've commented recently. Uh, Vic Forest, the people sort of seem think of them as being there to sort of protect the forest, but in fact they, they get described in the paper as the state logging company. So they, yeah. effectively they're there to, to, to log the bloody thing. That's right, yeah. And they are a taxpayer-funded logging company. <laughs> so And they make a massive loss every year. So our taxpayer dollars are going towards trashing our mm-hmm. heritage, our forest heritage, with no consent from the Indigenous owners out there and definitely no kind of social licence, but um, it keeps on continuing. Yeah, OK. Now, how's it with the Aged Action Group? What's the news there at the moment? Yeah, so we're focusing on the... Um, the government has recently opened for consultation a um, review of the social housing regulations. Um, and so that will be the regulations that govern the kind of management of both community and public housing and with the push to sort of go towards community housing owned by not-for-profits instead of public housing, it means that at the moment the kind of way that those those types of housing are run are quite different. So this is looking at that issue and we're, we're pleased that the government's having a look at it because we've been pushing for a while that these sorts of housing need to be aligned so that tenants who live in public housing and community housing can have the same expectations of rights and rent setting and um, all of those things that make people's lives okay. So that's open at the moment um, and consultation closes on the 9th of July. Um, 
So it's quite a detailed discussion paper. It goes into a lot of information. So at the moment, we're just having a look through it and seeing where the gaps are and seeing if there's a focus on older people. Mm. Because unfortunately, there's been nothing mentioned. People keep saying, well, older women, it's a big issue um, for housing and homelessness, but there's been nothing in any of the um, government kind of announcements that specifically target older people. What do you make of the um, members of the panel for the review, Fiona? Yeah, so Heather Holst is the um, Residential Tenancies Commissioner Mm. and she's on the panel. Um, She runs a couple of groups that we're involved with, um, including tenants groups, so Mm. people who are living in in rental tenancies. And our members find her quite engaging and open and listening Mm. to their concerns, so they are taking heart that she's there. Mm. The other two, we're not sure. We know that one of them was... um, involved with Consumer Affairs Victoria, which is kind of a notoriously poor regulator. Mm. <laughs> so I guess it's a bit ironic, really, given that we're talking about regulations. <laughs> because it's one thing to have the regulations, but then to enforce them is a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the jury's out, I reckon. Yep. When when will the... Well, how long is the process? Oh, God, who knows? Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know that the consultation's open for this one for the ninth, but apparently there's going to be another couple of um, papers come out over the next few months. Yep. And there'll be opportunities to talk more to the three people on the panel. Plus, there's going to be some roundtable discussions and some other opportunities. And I do want to specifically hear from tenants, mm. so people who are living in public housing and community housing. So we're certainly going to be encouraging our members who live in those types of housing to get involved. Mm. And um, we know that you're not an organisation that specifically represents our First Nations um, residents, but uh, there is a focus for the panel correctly. Is is that right about um, Aboriginal housing? Yeah. Yeah, there is, and that's really good to see because the the rates of homelessness are so high in Aboriginal communities that it's really good they are having a look at it. And we know that there's discrimination in in private tenancies as well. So Mm. obviously we need to make sure that there's a much better response and I think it's good that they're focusing, you know, clearly on that. Mm. And let's hope it results in some good changes there too. Who knows? But, yeah. And I presume there's there's um, a capacity for people, just individuals who want to, to put a submission into it. Yeah, yeah. It's via the Engage Victoria website, which has got a lot of info on there. I don't know if you guys have had a look at that, but there's a lot of consultation going on at the moment. Um, yeah, so you can just you can do that online. I'm assuming there's also options to actually do it offline too. So writing letters, um, there is an address available there, which is good. So. Yeah, I think it's good for people, particularly tenants, to have their say about this stuff. Yeah, I think the link from what I can tell is www.vic.gov.au forward slash review dash social dash housing dash regulation. <laughs> it's not going to be, I hope everyone had their pens out there, all listeners, but I think if you just Googled review social housing regulation review, hopefully that Designed to make there. sure no one can find yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to be putting stuff on our website too, so if people want to get to it that way. Through Housing um, for the Age Action Group. Yeah, yeah that sounds like a good way. Yeah, right. oldertenants.org.au. Okay, thanks, Fiona. I noticed that at the um, the meeting of state um, and premiers and the, and the prime minister, etc., the one thing the Victorian government was looking at um, was a national um, campaign for every new house um, in Australia to be able to be accessible to disabled yeah. and older people. Um, this yeah. seems this is, seems to be a, a positive. 
Yeah, yeah, that that actually was great advocacy from lots and lots of people that got set up. So they people have been trying to get building regulations changed so all new housing is accessible. And there was a coalition of a whole bunch of different organisations that lobbied all the building ministers across the country, and they actually they actually passed it. So now the National Construction Code has um, has rules in there that every new house has to be up to a silver standard. It's not the gold standard that we were wanting, but it's certainly a lot better than it has been, which means that there'll be accessible hallways, bathrooms, um, benches, a whole bunch of, you know, a pathway to the door, mm. um, which is not just good for, you know, older people, but anyone, like people with prams, anybody. Mm. So you can actually age in place properly. Um, from now on, which is a fantastic and amazing win. Wow, mm. good news. Yeah, a friend yeah. of mine who's 90 um, had a couple of knee operations last year at 90, but she uh, she can't go home because there's a number of steep steps into her house, and so yeah. she's now in a nursing home, but if, they, if there were no steps there, she could live at home. Gee. Yeah, that's exactly right. Prematurely, People prematurely going into residential care because their houses aren't accessible and they get discharged from hospital and that's it. Yeah. And it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah. We will have to sort of uh, start winding up, unfortunately, Fiona. I'm sorry we didn't have as much time with you as we would have liked. Um, okay. Any last comments? I, I did want to ask you, how's uh, how's your uh, show on 3CR going in terms of your Radiothon? Have you yeah, had your Radiothon show yet? Yeah, well, it's going to be coming on tonight okay. at um, 5.30, so have a listen. I'll um, listen. And we're... We're about two-thirds of the way there, so we're nearly there. Yeah. Um, oh, we're beating you. We got ours. We got ours. <laughs> 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 but, part, partly thanks to you, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad. I'm hoping after some stuff it'll just get over the line. But um, I think you'll make yeah, it. It's been lovely to have the donations come in, actually. It's been really nice. That's awesome. Mm. You're already almost there and you haven't mm. even had your show yet. I think that's very promising. You should be right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. We better finish up there. All right, Fiona. Okay, but thanks. thanks again. Okay, thanks a lot, Fiona. We'll talk to you next month. Okay, thank you. Okay, see you later, right mate. Just on that point, I just wanted to finish up on the point about um, how some people have no concept, of course, uh, in that article about the housing package and the, the that only a few people are going to benefit from the government handout, the Lloyd Access Economics Director, Chris Richardson, who's always been dredged up, dredged up of course, to mm. talk about economic issues from a capitalist viewpoint, he said, governments can't solve rapidly rising house prices and Australians are kidding themselves if they think it can. Now, mm. he obviously has never heard of public housing. Mm. Chris, yeah, it's like it doesn't... Completely. It's managed to just be completely disappeared. It's been quite a successful PR campaign against against public housing. Yeah. Um, well, we are going to wind up, but I'll just give that number again if anyone's listening and want to support General Mills strikers. Um, it's one eight hundred six seven 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 four, and you can tweet them at General Mills on the Twitterverse. Good luck to them. Good yeah. luck to them. Yeah, I say. And next week, of course, it's housing. We'll have John McPherson on the line, and we're in the studio. Wait, one of the transport. Two and, uh, no, I think next week's the yeah. fifth Wednesday. Is it? <sighs> Hard to say. <laughs> I think so. Uh, uh, oh, maybe not. Am I wrong? Who knows? Um, Anyway, well, maybe, maybe we'll you're see. right. I, I don't know. Maybe there is a fifth Wednesday. Well, none of us know, yeah, which but is, <laughs> uh, but depending on how you look at it, it's either like <laughs> depressing or cute. Plan ahead on seeing you live, right. well, we'll see ma- you next week anyway. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> you are listening to 3CR Community Radio on digital and online 3CR Radical Radio.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.